0: Good morning, everyone. Good morning. What a way to get service started, huh? A few weeks ago, I had the uh, opportunity to go to Preacher's College. What's Preacher's College? Well, it's a, it was a three-day conference where we were taught by two Gordon-Conwell professors how to put together a sermon and how to deliver it. They taught us how to put together an outline, and it was, uh, it was just a great opportunity for me to be able to go to. Uh, the, the class was made up by about uh, two dozen students who were associate pastors and other church leaders who just wanted to kind of hone in on their skills of preaching and and learn the art of preaching a little bit better. On the final morning of the conference, all of us uh, were able to put together a 10-minute sermon where uh, the class critiqued us as as well as the professors. Uh, The way we were able to choose our sermon was that we were given about 30 different scripture passages to choose from. I uh, read through each one of them and I kept being drawn back to one in particular. Spoiler alert, Romans 12, 1 to 2. Uh, when I came back, I was really excited to tell Pastor Ryan about it, and he asked if I would mind uh, expanding it. it. Like I said, it was about 10 minutes, and uh, hopefully after today, you don't hope it was still 10 minutes. <laughs> if any of you have the preaching bug and uh, want to learn a little bit more about preaching or just to hone in on your skills, I just would highly recommend this conference. It's, it, was, it was really great. So I'd like to begin by asking you all a few questions this morning. Have you ever felt distant from God? Have you ever felt that the more you want to get closer to Him, the further and further He seems to be getting? For some of you, this might be a question that you ask yourselves periodically. For others, it might be something that you've asked yourself a few times since you got in the car today. My, be- my guess is that if you've lived on this earth long enough, it's a question that you're going to continue to ask yourself. So this morning, we're going to spend a few minutes just trying to explore two verses that can really help you get track on, back on track with the Lord. There are some who refer to these two verses as the holy playbook for Christian living. And hopefully, if we follow the instructions in them, the presence of our Lord will be felt in our lives again. Again, they come from the book of Romans, chapters 12, 1 through 3. If you want to take some time to turn to it now, the book of Romans was actually a letter written by the Apostle Paul to the people living in ancient Rome. Most believe it was the year 55 AD. So let's take a look at the scripture for today. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy. Now, before we go any further, I'd just like to stop and pause for a minute and look at that word that Paul refers to us as, brothers. When Paul says brothers, he's talking to the Christians living in ancient Rome, the men and women who believe that Jesus died for them and for, for, so that they can go to heaven, those who believe that he rose for them. Now, for those of you who are here this morning and you might not consider yourself a Christian quite yet, we're so glad that you're here this morning, but you can relax today. The pressure's off of you. We're not, Paul's not referring to, to everyone. Again, he's referring to the Christ followers. But just like so many truths that we find in God's word, that the passages that we're gonna be learning about today can really refer to both Christians and none, and hopefully can help you out in your life, whether you're a Christian or not. So stay tuned anyway. So let's continue and read through the whole verse. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So, as you can see, these verses start out with that word, that key word, therefore. Whenever we see that word, we know that a lot came before it. And for the people who were reading this letter, Paul is referring to chapters 1 through 11 in Romans. Those who have come to faith in Christ and those who truly understand what God's mercy was all about. Remember, we're only about 20 years removed from Christ's death. These people who are reading this letter might have been there to see some of Jesus' miracles. They might have been there to see his actual death and his resurrection. They know exactly what God's mercy truly is. They understand that there's nothing that they have done to deserve anything that they're getting and the eternal heaven that awaits them. Now, Pastor Ryan and I were talking the other day about teaching through the Book of Romans. And uh, to go through the first 11 chapters even, we we thought it would probably take about two years worth of sermons. So we're not gonna be doing that today, but I I did wanna quickly just go over a few key things that we're gonna be learning about in chapters one through 11. So while all scripture is God-breathed and equally valuable, Romans is unique because it's the most comprehensive, well-organized expression of Christian doctrine, some believe, that's in the entire Bible. Martin Luther had this to say about the epistle, which, by the way, is just another word for letter. It is well worth a Christian's while not only to memorize it word for word, but also to occupy himself with it daily, as though it were the daily bread of the soul. So why did uh, Martin Luther hold Romans in such high esteem? Well, because he goes on to say that this letter is truly the most important piece in the New Testament. It is the purest gospel. Some of you may have heard of the Romans' road to salvation. And I thought that it would just be a great way just to kind of quickly scan through Romans 1-11 through to get us to where we are today. So first we're going to look at Romans 3.23. There's a problem in the world. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Next, there's a consequence, Romans 6.23. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. Next, a solution found in Romans 5.28. God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Then, a response that comes in Romans nine. Nine, 10, nine through 10. If you declare with your mouth that Jesus is the Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe you are justified and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you pro- profess your faith and are saved. That's great news for us today. Finally, assurance, coming from Romans ten thirteen. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. See, Paul's readers truly understood this road to salvation, and they truly understood the mercy that God has for us that he describes in these verses today. And it is because of this mercy that Paul is encouraging them to offer their bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. I've had the pleasure of the last couple years of uh, coaching my son Chase's Little League teams. Now, for those of you who think you have the gift of patience, I challenge you to coach Little League. But that's another sermon for another day. When when we first start to teach the young kids, one of the first things we do is try and teach them how to field. Because when you get out to the field, you see kids going like this. They look like matadors. As soon as the ball comes, the glove goes up. Sometimes the glove stays down, but the ball goes over it. We try to teach the kids very early on that you want to use your entire body to field. So you get down low, you get your glove right in the middle of you, and you use your body as a sacrifice to stop the ball. Now, to try and teach a six-year-old that, you know what, the little bit of pain that you're experiencing is not going to last long, and it's going to be worth it to pick it up and be able to throw the guy out first is really tough to do. It's hard to teach any player, really, to do that. But it's something that, if they learn how to do it correctly, it's, it's a true thing to be able to do, to sacrifice your body and be able to make an out or save a run from going into the outfield. When I, hear, when I hear offer your bodies as living sacrifices, one of the things that comes to my mind is a body that is sexually pure, one that you're saving for your spouse, and then one, once you're married, continuing to remain pure for, for only your spouse. But the qualification that's sought for in Paul's living sacrifices is one that was to be unblemished, without spot, which is what, what the, the type of animals that they would offer to God. So when he says living sacrifices, He's not just talking about being sexually pure. He's referring to our our whole body, and he's referring to how we treat our bodies all the time. He's talking about a tongue that is speaking uplifting and encouraging words, one that's not putting others down, not starting rumors, not discouraging people. And he's talking about hands that are actually doing the work of Christ. Whether it be going out to help out in a soup kitchen, to feed the homeless, or to preparing a meal for a young couple who might have just had a baby in our church. And then not just uh, making the meal, but using our legs to go hand deliver it. And to to, to show them, you know, that you, you love them. And sometimes it's standing up to a boss at work. Someone who might continually be putting you down or questioning you or asking you to do things unethical and showing you that it's, it's so much more, your value and self-pride are worth so much more than what you do for a living. And I don't think Paul is just referring to how we use our bodies to help others either. I think that he's trying to show us how to treat our bodies, staying away from substances that might be harmful to us as well. 1 Corinthians 6.19 says, do, not, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you receive from God, You are not your own. It's important for us to give our bodies proper rest. It's important to treat them with respect, to exercise, to diet correctly. Now, at this point, some of you might be thinking to yourself, you know what, that sounds ridiculous. God really doesn't care what I'm eating. He doesn't care if I'm exercising. But he does care. And he even goes on to say that offering our bodies as a sacrifice is our spiritual act of worship. So offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Then Paul goes on to say, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. Do not. He transitions from our bodies to our minds. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I love that word transformation. Whenever I hear that word, these guys come to my mind. The beautiful butterfly but all of us know that for the butterfly to become that, it has to start out as one of those. And I know after the last few months, I'm sure you're sick of seeing these uh, all over the place. The word transformation means making a dramatic change, but for a caterpillar to become a beautiful butterfly, it generally takes up to four weeks. And more often than not, although we could be redeemed in an instant through the power of Christ, the renewing that takes place within our minds can take some time. Our minds are not renewed overnight. Again, and please don't miss this point, we could be saved in an instant thanks to what Jesus did for us on the cross. But the transformation that we undergo to mature ourselves in Christ and to be mature ourselves in the faith can take a lifetime. And those changes do not take place every, right away. It takes place in the little things that we're doing, every single day. So how do we renew our minds? Well, I think it begins every single morning. What do you think about when you first wake up? Are you thinking about the thoughts, what you did the night before? Are you thinking about what's on tap for your day ahead? Does your mind go to the crying baby in the room next door? Or to the six-year-old trying to get some snuggles from you? As soon as you open your eyes, I challenge you this week, say to yourself, thank you, Lord, for another day. Thank you, Lord, for your son who died for me. Lord, help me to see the world today as you see it. Help me to have passions that you want me to have in this life. Now, each of you should have received one of these in your message notes this week. It's a really simple thing, but I just want to challenge everyone, put this by your bedside, tonight, and let it be by your bed each morning when you wake up. Many think Psalm 119 was written by David. It's not known for sure, but they believe it was written by David. He says, direct me in the path of your commands, for there I find delight. Lord, turn my heart towards your statutes and not towards selfish gain. Turn my eyes away from worthless things. Preserve my life according to your word. Again, that comes from Psalm 119, and I Just, again, just want to challenge you. Put it next to your bedstand before you grab for your device, before you uh, do anything in the morning. Pick it up and read it to yourself all week and just see how, how that begins your day. So what else can we do to renew our minds? For those of you who find it challenging to read a daily devotion, take some time this week and spend some time in God's Word. It doesn't have to be hours. Just take 15 minutes each day to spend some time with the Lord reading His Word. Pray. Unplug from electronics, fast from television, social media, things that might be distracting you, and just talk to the Lord. And don't just talk to Him, but also listen. These are some ways to renew your mind. So often we hear ourselves, I hear, or hear people and including myself, God, why aren't you talking to me? But you have to first ask yourself, is he or he, how often is He hearing from you? There's so many other ways. What type of music are you listening to on a daily basis? Is it edifying to Christ? Now, I'm not saying that all of the music you listen to has to be worship music. But I'm just saying, be aware of the lyrics that you're listening to. What kinds of things are you flooding your mind with on a daily basis? What television shows and movies are we watching? And not just which ones, but how often? Any of you who have Netflix know how easy it is to get sucked into a show. If you don't move within 10 seconds, the next one just starts right up. Again, a next one, a next one. And you find yourself after three or four, what what was I just doing? So instead of sitting down to watch a Netflix sitcom or drama, sit down with a friend. Talk to them about their life. Start discipling a younger Christian. Pick up a book. There's so many different ways. And again, you might be saying, you know what? These things aren't affecting me. They're just forms of entertainment. I can remove myself from the music I listen to. I can remove myself from the drama I just watched last night or the movie, but your subconscious is soaking every one of these things in all the time. And in today's society, everything and everyone is vying for your attention. In 2016, there was a study that showed that we're soaking in about 694 minutes of media every day. That's over 10 hours of internet, radio, newspaper, magazines, all kinds of media. That's up from 433 in 1985. That's not too long ago. And that's a huge spike. In in 1945, it was 309. And throughout the day, we're exposed to about 5,000 or more ads and brand exposures. Everyone and everything is seeking to gain your attention nowadays. A few weeks ago, on 60 Minutes, Anderson Cooper reported on a segment that explored how Silicon Valley is engineering your phone, your apps, and social media to get you hooked. They referred to our smartphones as slot machines. Did anyone happen to see that segment? A couple people? He interviewed a former, a former Google product manager that became so overwhelmed with living this type of lifestyle where he was constantly checking his phone that he, that he decided to quit and now he's doing something about it. He's going out and he's trying to teach people about how addictive these Google managers and the people at Silicon Valley are making these phones addictive. He's on a crusade to make people aware. His name was Tristan Harris and he went on to say that inadvertently, whether they want to or not, they're shaping the thoughts and feelings and actions of people. They're programming people. Computer programming is doing it for rewards that have no actual value and they make us want to continue to come back. There's a reason that text and Facebook and all of these different social medias have a continuous scroll. They get you sucked in. And it's proven that you're searching longer than you want to be. You spend half your time on Facebook just looking for one good article to read or one good piece worth looking at. And it's happening because they're actually engineering to making them become addictive. So how often do you find yourself checking your phone or looking at Facebook just to realize that 15 minutes gone by you start to look at pictures and things that, you're, that you peep from people you don't even know. And I do it all the time myself. The study found that the typical person checks their phone every 15 minutes or less. And half the time they check their phone, there's no alert. There's no notification. It's coming from inside. They're telling, telling them, gee, I wonder if anyone has, has hit me up on Facebook. I haven't checked my Twitter feed for a while.
1: Did anyone comment on my
0: Instagram post? When this happens, it generates cortisol and it starts to make you anxious. And eventually, your goal is to get rid of that anxiety, so you check in. So the same hormone that made primitive man hyper-aware of his surroundings to keep him uh, by being eaten by lions, is the same thing that's compelling all of us to continually peek at our phones to relieve our anxiety today. In fact, I'm guessing that there's some of you right now that just from me talking about this are kind of getting anxious at that phone in your pocket. Ironically enough, Friday night, my phone completely died. At first, it was kind of humorous because I knew what I was going to be preaching about on Sunday. and It didn't just die from the battery. I mean, it's dead, completely gone. After a couple hours, I started getting a little anxious. What if someone's calling me? What if someone's texting me? That device is my everything. Not that I'm checking it constantly, but it's my alarm clock. I don't have a phone in the house, so it's my phone. And I, over the last couple days, I've gotten really anxious because I still don't have it. <laughs> So don't conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by renewing your mind each and every day. Getting closer to God often requires us to further ourselves from the world. And to be able to test his will, we have to quiet ourselves. We have to listen to him and the Holy Spirit. God wants all of us, our bodies and our minds. So that brings me to my final point today. After Paul talks about offering our bodies and our minds to the Lord, he goes on to say, you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. What happens when you feel like you are truly giving up your body and your mind to God, but still you just can't hear from Him? So often, people want to know exactly what God's will is for their life. but they don't understand that if they just started moving in the right direction, God's will will become known to them. How often are people asking themselves, who should I marry? How many kids should I have? Who should I date? Where should we live? What job should I take? What church should I belong to? We could focus so much on the exact thing that we should be doing that we lose sight of the fact that, again, if we just start moving in the right direction, God's will is going to become known to us. So there's some strategies we can use to allow ourselves to determine whether or not we're on the right path. Two things that I, th- I think that we could determine God's will are one, we could be sure God's will won't go against scripture. I've never heard God speak to me, but you know what? About 98% of God's will can be written throughout his word. It can be found by reading the Bible. Now, I don't know if 98% is an exact percentage, but the percentages are really high. In fact, it's clearly written that we should abstain from sexual immorality. 1 Thessalonians 4.3 It is God's will that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality. It doesn't get any clearer than that. So if if we're not obeying the things that God has clearly showed us in His Word, what, what makes us think that He's going to reveal any further information about our lives? Obedience is an important first step. A few years ago, uh, my wife Tracy and I decided to put our house up for sale. I think it was about five years ago, maybe even longer at this point. Our uh, tiny cape in Manchester with two kids, 90-pound lab, a cat. The walls were just kind of closing in on us. So we put our house up for sale. For those of you who have ever done this, you know the stress and anxiety that goes into it. You constantly have to have your house in show form. And adding two kids and a dog to that mix Whenever someone wants to come see it, you got to put them in the car, take them out, go for a ride, sometimes around the corner so you could spy on them. <laughs> Especially when I'm traveling, it put extra pressure on Tracy at the time. So we had our house up for sale for a couple months. While the house was up for sale, we found our dream house, the house that we knew we wanted to move into. But our house wasn't selling. Three, four, five, six months go by. The house that we wanted got sold to another house, to another couple. Then we find another house, same thing, seven, eight, nine months go by, still haven't sold our house. It's starting to become very stressful for us. We're praying to God, God, we feel like you want us to move, but why isn't our house selling? Well, I would say probably about a year goes by, and I finally start to hear this little voice in my head. But the voice comes at a certain time for me. It was as I was smoking a cigarette. See, I had been a smoker for a long time, and uh, I had cut my habit down to one, two a day, but I was still dependent on that one or two each day to get me through. So every time I'd go out for my nightly cigarette, I'd hear God telling me, if you want to sell your house, quit smoking. Come on, God, cigarettes aren't illegal, It doesn't really say anything exactly about it in the Bible, but I kept hearing every day, if you want to sell your house, quit smoking. If you want to sell your house, quit smoking. So another 11, 12, 13, 14, 15 months go by, I finally tell Tracy about this voice in my head. After her look that she wanted to just kill me, (laughs) I I decided, you know what, let me give it a try. I've quit before, I've quit for years at a time, I know I can do it again. So right before I embarked on a uh, month-long work trip, I said, this is going to be the time, I'm done smoking. I leave for the trip, I think it was, actually I know, it was July 20th, 2012. I said, you know what, that's it, I'm done. I quit. Wouldn't you believe, two or three days later, the house sold. (laughs) It was unbelievable. And uh, so, I came back, haven't had a drag since that day. That's one thing I know I just can't do, because God told me, you know, I just can't do it. But the story continues. So while I'm on this work trip, on the other side of the world, We uh, are now in search of this uh, house for us. We think we find the perfect house, the dream house, our house that we're now living in. But before we moved in, I got to meet the woman who was uh, living in the house. She was a single woman, uh, older, much older, and I asked her why she was moving, because we didn't find anything wrong with the house. But we found out that her husband had passed away a few months before. The reason why he died? Lung cancer. He died of smoking. I truly feel that God did not want that to repeat in the house that we're living in. And I feel like that was his will for us, to be obedient to him. So the first thing, again, if we want to see God's will, start with obedience. What's God telling you today? The next thing, that we are consistently becoming more like Jesus. Now, Pastor Ryan teaches on this topic every single week. It's part of our mission statement that we exist as a church so that more people can become more like Jesus. So how do we do that? How do we become more like Jesus? Well, by studying His life and the things that He taught, by surrounding ourselves with other Christians who will be seeking life into you, and also letting you know when you fall off the track, keeping you accountable. It's exactly what this church community and so many others are designed to do, to encourage one another, and to help one another discern what God's will is for your life. And finally, by surrendering your will to God, sacrificing your body and your mind. So what or who is holding you back from becoming a living sacrifice today? Music has always played such an important part of my walk with with God. I felt, I felt God's presence so often while listening to worship music and it's a time when I truly feel that God is talking to me. I asked Pastor Ryan today if he would come up and play a song for me this week. I've asked you guys to sacrifice a lot, but I'm not going to ask you to sacrifice your ears by hearing me sing. <laughs> Plus, we don't want him to get off too easy this week, right? So, The song is called All That I Am and it's from Wren Collective. Here are just a couple of the lyrics. And again, this is a song that just has touched my life over and over 30 years in so many different ways. When it was me quitting my job, us searching for another church building, us searching for a house, just so many different ways the song has just impacted me. And I think it really just sums up exactly what this message is all about today. Selfish ambition and my pride, I'm giving up, I'm letting die. In these empty hands, I have it all the pure joy of knowing you, my Lord. All that I am for all that you are, my Lord. All that I have for all that you are. God requires us to give him our all. And oftentimes, getting closer to him requires us to further ourselves from the things of the world. It's not always easy in the moment. Just like a six-year-old learning how to field a ground ball, it's painful at times. When I gave up smoking it was really tough, mentally and physically. Sometimes it still is. Any of you who have ever tried to quit, you know it's tough. But eventually, the pain starts to go away more and more and more. And like the song says, there is no better joy than knowing that you are pleasing the Lord. When Tracy and I sold our house, we felt that God truly it was truly God's will and that we were in it. So as Ryan, and the rest of the worship team sing this song today. I just want you to think about something. Think about something that you're willing to give up today. Maybe it's an addictive habit like smoking. Maybe it's someone that you know that the Lord doesn't want you to be with. Maybe it's a device that you can't separate from, and it's literally causing you physical and mental anxiety. Maybe you need to spend some more time praying to God this week. Maybe you need to just dive into his word just to see what he has to offer you. Whatever it is for you today, I just pray that you have the strength this week to do something about it. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you so much for preserving these ancient letters that were written so long ago. Thank you, Lord, for all of the people who just went before us to make sure that we can understand and translate it for us so that we can hear, read it. Lord, right now, as the worship team plays this song, I just pray that your Holy Spirit moves within this place. Lord, give each one of us, including myself, something that you want us to sacrifice for you this week. Lord, help us to walk out of here and not forget that thing you want us to sacrifice, but help it to just be embedded in our minds each day. Lord, help us to wake up each morning and just look to you first before doing anything else. And Father, help us just to be in your will, your awesome, magnificent, amazing will. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All that I have for all that you are, for are the world beyond price, greater than life, all that I am, all that you are, oh, oh. oh, oh. This ambition and my pride I'm giving up, I'm letting die In these empty hands I have it all Have it all The pure joy of knowing you, my Lord All oh, that I have for all that you are my Lord, all that I have, for all that You are, You're the price, greater than Oh